Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. James chapter 4, verse 11 through 17. Let's read the word. I'm going to go with the new King James Version tonight. Do not speak evil of one another, brethren and sistren. That's both of us, both brethren, it's everybody. Don't speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? Verse 13. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, and we'll go and to such and such a city and spend a year there and buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, a lamp unto our feet, light upon our path. I pray that you would move with great power the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated, and we do have notes for you. Has anyone in your life or anyone here in your life ever misjudged you? Have you met, ever met somebody that judged you and they were totally wrong? No one? The rest of you are probably liars. All of us, being human beings, have probably had that happen. And the sad thing is when we do it, it's actually sad on both sides. I recently had someone misjudged me. And after studying this text this afternoon, I began to weep and realized in receiving the misjudgment, I then made a misjudgment in my pride and arrogance. But before you chuckle about pastor, you're about to be fried yourself. So, <laughs> our pride causes us to misjudge. Let me, let me give credit where credit is due. It so happens that the Lord led me to do this series on James and then in conversations with Dr. Morocco, Pastor Josh, Pastor Andrew, a number of different pastors through the King's uh, community, we're all doing the same thing. And uh, I happened to look up the message that Dr. Morocco preached, I think, two, two Sundays ago, maybe one Sunday ago, and it was this one. So I, I just listened to it and added to what he, what he shared. I added my thoughts and put it together. Really, the outline comes from him originally, so thank you, Dr. Morocco. 
Pride causes us to misjudge on numerous levels. Now, in, in the previous message, we talked about uh, God gives grace to the humble, verse 6 and verse 10. And if we humble ourselves before the Lord, he will lift us up. So that's a good thing. But the challenge is, is that even in our humility, we have a tendency to get prideful about our, who's the most humble person here? Go ahead. Raise your hand. Pastor Josh. It's a joke. Obviously, if you raise your hand, you're obviously got pride. Humility is the mechanism by which many of us yield to overcome pride. He, he brings us out of pride with humility. And we spoke about humility. We spoke about God's grace last Sunday night. Within the context of humility, James addresses a problem in the church. So what's the problem? They're slandering one another. They're talking stink about their brother and sister. And he's correcting it. And if you talk about your brother and sister in a slandering way, which, which I'll define by slandering our brother, it means, it means to break the law of loving one another. What is the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God. Jesus said it in Matthew. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul and strength. What's the second greatest commandment? Yeah, it's the golden rule. So when you talk evil about a brother, about a sister, and slander them, it's, it's demeaning. Slandering is telling someone, something about someone to demean them in the eyes of another. And I, I think the Lord's helped me over the years. I, I've learned to shut my mouth, but it was a painful process. Some of you, if you could put a gate over your mouth, you'll save yourself a lot of pain. And I, I, I think early on I was just insecure. And, and so, I, you know, if I knew something about somebody early on in my Christian walk, it's not a recent thing. I'm a vault now. But early on in my Christian walk, you know, something happened. I... I I, I sort of took pride and then I knew something about them and a weakness and it was because of my own insecurity. And as I matured, I, I would keep that inside but I would still think it and relish. Don't look at me with that tone of voice. You guys got the same issues. <laughs> Slanderings, breaking the law of loving one another. Love your neighbor as yourself. You know what the most wicked act of selfish love is? You'll be surprised. Suicide. Yeah. And the reason that is, is because people who commit suicide don't, they don't care about who finds them. They don't care about whose heart they break. They don't, all they care is about the pain they're in. I'm not mocking that. Thank God delivered me many, many, many years ago. I'm so grateful. That's a spirit. It's a demon spirit. I curse that thing today. I pray we'd never have another suicide. No suicide all winter through all the villages. Come on, say no suicide through all the villages in Jesus' name. All right, we can pray that way. Amen. How many of you know that to be the will of God? But suicide is the most selfish act. and I know some of you have suffered as I have with people who've taken their own life. All they think about is themselves. And uh, you looked in the mirror today, or maybe you should have, but I mean, you looked in the mirror, most of you. 
because you love yourself. You want to make sure everything's all right. Amen. As I've gotten older, as I've gotten older, I have some unusual hair growth out of my nose. In fact, my nose hairs and my ear hair grow so fast, I've thought about braiding, braiding them together and starting a, a new fad or trend. I don't know what you would call that. Come on, let's be a trendsetter. Braid your nose and ear hair together. I don't think Pastor Karen would like that much. In fact, I know she doesn't. We are attempting to take God's role as judge. When you misjudge somebody, when you judge somebody, and I'm, I'm going to correct this because some of you think, well, we don't judge anybody. Oh, no, you do. We do. We'll talk about that. But in the context here in this first part, when you misjudge people, when you don't know their heart, you don't know what they've been through, you don't know what they're struggling with, you don't know what they've had to overcome. And women are the worst with each other. And you know that's right too. Can I get an amen lady? You like. <laughs> Who does she think she is? In the context of humility moving along here, in the context of humility, James also deals with how one approaches the future. And he exposes the sin of presumption based on arrogance in verse 13. We live in a culture that's filled with arrogance and boasting. And I've seen it in the church. I've seen it out of the church. And God knows I've been convicted myself. And you have to be careful of that. I remember years ago pastoring on the island of Molokai. And on Molokai, it's called the Friendly Isle. It was far from that. No, really. It, was, it had a great oppression on it. It was number one in uh, per capita suicide, number one in um, government assistance per capita, number one in uh, domestic violence per capita in the whole state. It had, it had so many issues there. And Pastor Karen and I went there with young Hannah and then Daniel. He was, he was born there. I'll never forget being there, there was these demon spirits that would just ravage the island. And I remember that domestic violence one so profoundly. You remember that? We were in our home, having peace, loving each other. Everything was great. And you could hear down the street, a few houses down, a domestic violence thing break out. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Living in a neighborhood, you could, I mean, there's cursing, screaming, there's violence. You can hear it. And you're like, oh, Jesus, help them right now. And then before you knew it, the house that's a little bit closer starts having domestic violence. And we're like, man, it's like spreading. Father, in Jesus' name, you know, we're praying. And then it was like the house next to us. And then before you know it, we look at each other. We just, all of a sudden, we got irritated at each other. You remember that, right? We're like, man, this thing's a demon spirit. And it was just, it was just moving in the neighborhood. Talking about arrogance. Fools go where angels fear to tread. And I remember all those years ago, I preached some message 
spit flying, bodies falling, power of God hit the place. And I'll never forget after the service, I was just full of fire, it was in my early 30s. And I had a bunch of men gathered after, and I was still just kind of reeling from the service. And this local brother says, oh, brah, oh, you ain't playing, huh? I was just pitching. I said, oh, no, I'm not playing. We came to kick the devil off of this island. As a matter of fact, and I started going off in my flesh now with arrogance about what I was going to do in, in the, on the island for Jesus, of course. And I remember, I, I remember distinctly boasting about what I was going to do in the Lord. And I remember distinctly the hand of God coming off of me. And it was like I was stripped completely bare. And I was like, ah, I got so terrified. And, and at that moment, Karen had a vision of a dragon that was paying its own attention and turned and looked at us and started coming towards us. And I realized that I stepped out of grace, out of my pride and my arrogance about what I was going to do in Christ. And I stepped out. These guys are talking. I can't hear anything. And I realized, oh my gosh, I've sinned. I've sinned. I've sinned. Do something. Jesus, help. Help. Jesus. And I realized, I, I better repent. And I remember taking it and said, I'm sorry. I can't hear you. I, 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 that was really arrogant, really prideful. Please forgive me. I said, God, I'm so sorry. We're not doing anything you don't want me to do. God, I can't do anything without you. Without you, I'm doomed. But with you, God, we can run through a troop. We can jump over a wall. Oh, God, forgive me for my pride and my arrogance. Lead and guide and direct us. And it was like, it was like, I thought, whoo, that was scary. Some of you don't understand what I'm talking about, but there's a pride and an arrogance in this culture and this generation that, that gets you in big trouble. You can get outside the will of God through pride and arrogance and presumption. You know what presumption is? It's presuming that God told you to do something and then you go and do it. And, and probably one of the best texts is uh, when they're crossing over into the promised land, the, the 12, tri 12 spies come back and they, 10 give a bad report, two, Caleb and Joshua give a good report, and the 10 spies spread a bad report and all of Israel doesn't want to go in now. And Moses is like, you, you can do it. Joshua's like, God's going to help us. But he spread a bad report and they get over into doubt and, they, and God says, okay then, you're going to wander around for 40 years. The following day, they come to Moses and say, hey, Pastor Mo, we're down now. Let's go. Let's go. It's the next day. And Moses says, oh, no, you can't go now. You've missed it. No, 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 we're ready to go. You, you, you might be ready, but it's gone. The window has closed. No, no, really. We want to go in. He said, you can, God, God ain't with you. You can, you can go you want to. You're going to get your tails kicked. No, let's go. <sighs> they go and they get whooped. That's presumption. Presuming that God's with you. He was with them the day before. But after they blew it, he's no longer with them. And they presumed that he was, and they went forward. We need to be very, very careful about that. You must keep in mind that God is the center of one's future. Say that. God is the center of my future. Say it again. God is the center. You make plans and pray. 
It's important, very important to be led by God. And finally, humility is realized when we sin, not only the sin of commission, but the sin of omission. This is profound. The sin of commission is doing something that he's told you not to do. The sin of commission is doing something that's wrong. The sin of omission is not doing what he told you to do. Let me say that. Try that again. The sin of commission is doing sin. He told you not to touch that, not to do that, and you did it anyway. That's the sin of commission. The sin of omission is he told you to tithe. He told you to do things, and you didn't do it. Oh, God, help us. So God is speaking to us very simply this evening. Be careful when judging others. Be very careful. Matthew 7 says this. Judge not that you be judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. How would you like people to judge you the way you judge them? So when you look at somebody to pass judgment, and by the way, we're all to be fruit inspectors in the house of the Lord. It's not that you just turn a blind eye. I'm going to fix that in just a second. Somebody said, are you judging me? Yeah. Quit fornicating. Yes, I am. Let me go over here. Are you judging me? Yeah. Don't get drunk anymore. Stop getting drunk. It's wrong. Are you supposed to judge that? You better believe you are with the right heart. Amen. But when you point the finger and you accuse people, you slander them, you know, that's not good. So think about this. The, the criticism you use to judge others will be the same criticism that God uses to judge you. Let me run that through just one more time. The, the measure that you judge somebody else is what God's going to use on you. So you, you should check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> My voice cracked. <clears throat> okay. Matthew 7. This is Sermon on the Mount. It ties beautifully into the book of James. And as I said in previous messages, as God was raising us up, Pastor Kirsten, myself, Pastor Kimmy, Pastor Karen, we were required to memorize either the book of James or the Sermon on the Mount, which is Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And they're very similar. And so I'm utilizing those in Dr. Morocco's outline here. Matthew 7, 3 through 5. We all have blind spots that must be removed. Verse 3 of Matthew 7. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own? Which is really... It's really kind of funny. I mean, if there's something in someone's eye and you have a two by four and you try to get this thing out of their eye, you're going to hit them in the head with the two by four coming out of your eye. That's what he's saying. I mean, it's kind of humorous. Jesus had a sense of humor. So you have this giant thing sticking out of your eye and you go, here, let me help you. I'm going to help you. We all have blind spots. We don't, we don't see clearly. Over the years, I've been so encouraged by the grace that's on our senior global pastor, Dr. James Morocco, and, and also on my wife. My wife is an amazing gift to just be merciful and kind. And uh, I don't always have that gift. Neither does Pastor Kirsten, but some of you do. 
And I, I love what she, I love what she says. Oh, they, they, they just need healing. I'm like, yeah. Come on, put a hand on the person's shoulder next to you and say, Lord, heal them. You know what I've found other things? I, I, I'm having an interesting, I'm, I'm experiencing some unique things. Um, I'm, I'm finding I'm, I'm getting older. And I'm all right with that. I'm so glad I'm, I was really stupid. I was out of, out of special, a special ignorance when I was younger. And I'm glad I don't suffer under some of that, I just, but I'm suffering with some other things. And I realize that in my view of things, I'm, I'm, I'm really pretty old fashioned about stuff. No, really, I, listen, if you're wearing a baseball cap, leave it on. If you wore a baseball cap around my father as a man and you walked into church, um, take your hat off. I mean, it was like, really? And, and you didn't want to get the college ring turns backwards, a little knot upside the back of your head. You didn't wear it. So, I mean, if I, I'm trying to wear a hat inside. Some of you guys are like adjusting your hats. It's all good. But when I wear, here's my hat. When I wear hat, I wear hats. I love hats. When I wear them inside, it's nice because it blocks the light and all that. But it makes me a little uncomfortable. I'm just a little bit old-fashioned about the hat. Inside. Not unlike my son. <laughs> I've tried to lighten up, and I have. I've lightened up, but that's a cultural thing. Oh, my family, Pastor, all wear hats inside. Everybody wears hats inside. Okay, great. But sometimes we judge people based on, that's a cultural thing for me. How many of you, you're, you, how many of you, your dad, your mom, you didn't wear no hat inside? All right. And the others of you, you don't have any idea what I'm talking about. It's a cultural thing. There's certain things that I learned. When a woman enters into the room and you're at a table, you get up, stand up. You open the door. There's certain things. It's a culture that I was raised in. And can I tell you another thing that I've had to just let go of? Some of you are like, not going to be, if I ever eat a meal with you and you, and you eat this way, you're just going to be like, oh God, I have to change. You don't, just don't change. I'm getting over it. I'm over it. Mostly. But my mother taught us about place settings and silver and using the utensils from the outside working in. There was a specific English way of eating your food and chewing. And, and you don't, you know, soup. It would go down and come up and come out. You'd push it away from you. So you don't pick your bowl up. You don't slurp. You don't burp. And now in other cultures, belching is popular. And it means it's a good meal. So for years, if I ever saw somebody grab a fork like this and eat, to me, I'm like, oh yeah, they need help. And they just like grind away, just jam it in their mouth. I'd be like, oh, it's a cultural thing. It's culture. It doesn't mean you're right and they're wrong. It's culture. And so oftentimes we get in trouble because of culture. We got blind spots. You wipe your mouth before you drink from the crystal glass or the glass. You don't see all the grease from your chicken on the cup. You know what I mean? 
right. it, it's, it's culture. It doesn't mean that the culture that I'm in is better than yours. It's just the culture I was raised in. The culture that you were raised in doesn't mean that you're right either. It's just culture. And we have a tendency sometimes to look down our nose at people because they don't do things like they did it in your family. Wear red lipstick, you hussy. Oh, stop. Stop it. Stop. Some of you don't know what a hussy is. There's children here. We're going to move on. Look at Matthew 7 and verse 6. Because this is, this is contradictory. It's not what James is saying. And so I'm going to say what he's not saying because we are called to judge also. In, in Matthew 7 and verse 6, don't give what is holy to the dogs. That's judging right there. And he's not talking about a poodle or a snickerdoodle. He's talking about people. Wow. Or cast your pearl before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. There are people who have hardened hearts. There are people who have hardened hearts and you're not supposed to share the most deep, intimate things that God's done for you and through that you gotta be sensitive to that because they'll just spit on it and it'll hurt. How many of you ever been through something where you shared something really deep from your heart from the Lord and they're like, oh, that didn't happen. <laughs> I have to be careful. You know what they do? Well, I'm unsuspecting. They take videos of me and turn them into memes. And God, you'll stand before God for it too. Okay. Let's have a praise break. Amen. <laughs> in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 5 and 6, the Apostle Paul writes to the most confused church in all the New Testament, the Corinthian church. And he writes to them and he calls the church to judge in an area of sin, and personal disagreement with brothers. He calls them to do it. There is a, a, a man who's sleeping with his father's wife. So he is committing sin with his stepmother. And, it's, and he says, and you tolerate it, and you should not tolerate it. And they were prideful that they were like, well, aren't we spiritual? We just accept and love everybody. Yeah, we love everybody, and there's things you should not accept. And he begins to tell them that, Basically, if you allow for that to happen, it'll be like leaven that spreads through the whole church. I, I feel led to share this story. Many years ago, we had a precious lady in the church, and uh, she had a boyfriend, and he started coming to church, and they both gave their lives to the Lord. They didn't really get involved. They were you know, kind of fringe, but they would come to the service, and they started coming to more and more services, and soon they're there for a year. Never really got involved too much, but they started going to a life group and started meeting people. And I, I leave a lot of room for the Holy Spirit. So if you, if you want to live a fornicating lifestyle, I will preach it from the pulpit, but I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit to correct you unless it gets to the place where it begins to affect other people. And, and so that when that happens, then you're going to get corrected 
by me or my staff, you're going to get corrected. Why is that? Because you're not going to pollute this place by your sin. We don't let anybody come all up in here. Not everything's accepted. Hello. Can I get a better amen? Amen. And so he's saying, he was saying, Paul, to the Corinthian church, you should not. He says, expel the immoral brother and turn him over to Satan. How's that for some pastoral care? Turn him over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. There'd be more healthy churches if people would be kicked out occasionally. You can't come in here and rip people off. You can't come in here and hurt people. Otherwise, we're going to minister to you in a very special way. We will not allow you to come. There's been only a few times I've had to do that. And yeah, we turn you over to your new pastor. His name is Satan. And we do that with tears. We don't want anybody. But you know what? You can't do certain things. You can't come in here and like a wolf in sheep's clothing, you can't come and take advantage of the women. You can't come and take advantage of the men. You can't come and borrow money and rip people off. You can't come and run some scheme. Don't try that here. I have a whole nother side that some of you have never seen and may you never see it. I love you and I care for you and I've given my life for this church and will continue to do so. And if something crosses over the line to hurt any one of you, you will see a whole nother Pastor Daniel. We take care of all of that in prayer first and foremost. And we don't have any problems as a result. I'm not bluffing. You can tell I'm not bluffing. And the Apostle Paul says, you're to judge that. Come on, somebody say judge that. But you do it in a right heart. You do it in a right heart. You let your heart break for people. Some people just refuse. Some t- I don't know why. They're constitutionally incapable of telling the truth, some people. And, and, but I'm, I'm going to pray, but I can't allow, you can't allow that. You warn a divisive person once, twice, and you have nothing to do with them. Say, what if you're married to him? Well, pray hard. Some of you allow your children, some of you allow your children to have their phones in their room at night and perhaps do things with their phone. I'll just say it that way. You need to have your head examined. No, no, I trust my kid. I trust my kids too. And that's why their phones did not spend the night inside their room. You know, now I've got two adults that are serving God with all their heart. Yeah, your phone was outside. Why? Because. You have to judge. You have to be willing to say what's right and what's wrong. Some of you, some of you have an allegiance to your family and you allow a, a family member who's a monster to come inside your house with your kids. Well, he's my family. How about protect your children? First of all, what if they get offended? Who cares? I'm going to go encourage myself. Amen, Pastor Daniel. Yeah, Amen. So we, we, yes. We are to judge in disagreements. I've sat as a, ju- as, a, as a judge with two parties in the church and three. Business owners, people that strike a deal. They shake hands. We're Christians. We don't need a contract. Let me just tell you right now. You need a contract. You know why? Because some people think I'm talking about, um, I don't know, Lassie and the adventures of Tintin Tin or something right now. 
Even though I'm talking about the book of James, you're hearing Lassie and 10, 10, 10. That's all they, wasn't that a great story about Lassie? I love that guy. I'm not talking about Lassie right now, but that's what you're getting because you have Lassie on the mind. What's my point? My point is people hear stuff that you didn't say. So it's very important to, to communicate clearly through a contract. And yes, shake hands. Have a contract. Have things written out. And I've, I've, I've sat with people who were going to sue each other, and they said, you know what? Let's take this to pastor and let him judge. And, I, and thank you. You know, we should not be suing each other. Some people need to be sued. You've heard me say that before. You say, why, why do they need to be sued? Because if they're not stopped, they'll continue to rip people off and undermine and steal, kill, and destroy. Some people need to have their pants sued off. So they learn. Now, if you're doing it so you get money and it's your greed, that's the wrong motivation. But as believers, we're to judge. And I've sat and, and heard both sides or three sides. There's usually seven sides to every story. And then shared with them what I felt they should do. And in that particular case, one party agreed and the other party didn't. You know, it's hard, for, it's hard as leader, as a pastoral leader, if somebody doesn't submit to your authority, well, you can't do anything about that, then you, you go to court. But it should not be that way. But we are, the church is called to judge in the area of sin and personal disagreement with each other. It doesn't mean you don't judge someone. You do. But it's not, it's not a judgment under condemnation. And I love what Dr. Morocco said so many years ago. He said, don't make eternal evaluations about people. You let God do that. So just because somebody blew it in the last season, they could be a John Mark. Turned heel and got terrified, and Paul didn't want to have anything to do with him. But thank God for Barnabas, who took John Mark and, and raised him up and, and elevated him. And he got healed, and he got rid of his yellow belly Amen. Stay humble. Everybody say, stay humble. Stay humble, not exalting yourself through putting someone else down. Wow. Be a good Samaritan. I mean, you know what that is, a good Samaritan. Good Samaritan. Hey, Pastor Alex, what's up? Love you. Pastor Alex, we love you so much. Can you come move back up here now? Amen. Oh, you obey God. Be a good Samaritan. Everybody say, be a good Samaritan. The good Samaritan, Jesus used a story to lambaste people that were listening. This man who says, I've obeyed the commandments even from when I was young. And he says, he, he gives this story about the good Samaritan. The priest walked by. This man was robbed and he's left for dead. And the priest crosses over and the Levite crosses over. And, and then there comes a Samaritan. Samaritans were despised and hated. They were considered half-breeds. And they were racists, racist. Not Samaritans are racist. Well, they probably were too towards Jews. Jews were definitely racist towards Samaritans. They would go around Samaria to avoid them. Sanballat in the book of Nehemiah was a Samaritan. And so he picks this one that's not liked by any of the Jews, a Samaritan. He did what was right. And he picked him up and he put him in the inn and he poured in the oil and the wine and he spent his own money. That's what we're supposed to do for people. We're supposed to let the love of God fill our hearts with compassion. It's interesting, the Greek word there, neighbor, is the same word that Jesus used for the Good Samaritan.
keep God at the center of your plans by rejecting the humanistic lie, the invictus lie, Dr. Morocco says, which is that I'm the master of my own fate. No, you aren't. You're just a little vapor, bro. Just a little, tiny little vapor dearly and wholly loved by God special in his sight but understand God is God and you are not him you're not a God who forgot and so we need to have God at the center of our, our lives and our plans and reject that humanistic lie that you're the greatest you can do anything you can do all things don't forget the rest of it through Christ who strengthens you the world's view of success is not the sole object of one's life. Your life is not about gaining wealth and houses. I don't think there's anything wrong with gaining wealth, especially biblical, biblical wealth, favor, blessing. There's nothing wrong with holding multiple houses. There's nothing wrong with having possessions. The problem is when your possessions possess you. And that's not the definition of success, which I've given to you. Success is having what God says you can have, doing what God says you can do, and being what God says you can be. Success is not having a big fat bank account, although it can include it. Don't measure success based on worldly fame, fortune, how many likers you have. You know what real success is? See how big a heart you can get. Mike Bickle says this. See how big a heart you can get for God. See, see how quick you can obey. Seek God's will through prayer. Seek God's will through, through prayer. Tomorrow we'll go to this city and we'll do that. Yes, through prayer. As God speaks to you, he gives you revelation. He gives you vision. He gives you dreams. Then in prayer, he gives those to you. Then you take steps of faith. Some of you don't, don't understand how important prayer is. I love this story that Dr. Morocco, he's just returned from Korea, a church of well over a million people there, and he preached, I think, to over 100,000 people, if I have it correct. And the church is so large that not everybody could come. So 100,000 people is not even their leaders. I don't know how they did it, but they figure out who's allowed to come and it's like, a, I don't know if it's a raffle system or they, how they do that. They take a select few from different regions and they come and they're the ones that are able to come to the live event. That's that many people. In America, they don't understand. They're, they're, they're a Sunday, it's like a Sunday school size to the Korean church. And be like, whoa, look at the massive mega church. We're not even the size of a Sunday school. And you know where it all came from? It all came from prayer. It all was birthed in prayer. They had a, U.S. ripped U.S. Army tent after a war-torn Korea where they were eating bark off of trees. You want to talk about poverty? They went and ate bark off of trees. They had a little beat-up tent. Dr. Yonggi Cho, who's gone on to his reward, he's passed and graduated. Him, his, I think his mother and his, or his wife's mother, I, I forget the whole story, just a handful of people, and all they did is begin to pray. And God added to them and added to them and added to them. When he was 50,000 people, I think he was in Australia, and God spoke to him in prayer and says, you're going to be a church of 100,000. He prayed, he obeyed. That's what he says, pray and obey. Would you say that? Pray and obey. 
He prayed and obeyed, it became 100,000 people. And soon he was 200, soon he was 300. That's how this whole church is. Everything you see here has been birthed out of prayer. Every single thing you see here at Kings, Alaska, here you see Kings Cathedral and Chapels worldwide, it was all birthed in prayer. All of it. Pastor Josh said it today. We were there and, and, and we were in our car in the driveway. And I don't know, you said some cool saying, cut through the fluff and got to the stuff. They broke before God and they knew they were supposed to sell everything and go to Orville. And they did. That's the kind, that's the kind of person I want to yoke with like that. Tested, tried and true. Gone through it. God's going to give you a great harvest there. I'm excited about King's Oroville. We'll have a grand opening in January or so. We're going to figure out the date, but we're excited about it. Welcome to the family. Birth in prayer. Yeah, go ahead. Give God the hand prayer. Prayer. Seek God's will through prayer. Say it with me. Seek God's will through prayer. And, the, and Holy Spirit-inspired goals that come in prayer. We will have 10,000 people in this region and part of our church. So how's that? I don't know exactly how. Same way we built the building, I guess. Just keep plugging on. Just keep reaching people. He said, is it about numbers? Well, numbers represent souls. He said, numbers are important. Seem to be pretty important to God. He's got a whole book in the Bible called Numbers. So numbers represent souls. Not numbers for anybody's ego's sake. We're believing for 10% of the population. We can handle, through multiple services, we can handle a church of 10,000 in our new building. It's going to happen. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. How do you know? Because God spoke to us in prayer. And we're praying and we're obeying, and I don't know how, when, how it's going to happen, but it's going to. It will. Why? How do you know? Faith, confident assurance. I've seen it. God spoke to me. I'm going to obey. You're going to obey. We're going to move forward. We'll reach 10,000 people. But what about the 90,000 people in the valley? Well, we need more churches here. Really? Really? Nobody should go to hell from, this, from the state of Alaska. Come on, somebody say amen. Take steps of faith. That's what we've done to be where we're at. We're going to continue to do the same thing. That's what you do in your family. That's what you do. You pray. God will give you Holy Spirit-inspired goals. And then what do you do? Take steps of faith. Do what? Take steps of faith. You gotta break a spirit of self-righteousness by realizing how we fail through the sin of omission. I love this story. Worship team, would you come? The sin of omission. To him who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it to him it is sin. That scripture almost haunts me. What do you mean? I mean, literally, I'll walk by something that needs to change and then the Lord will speak to me. To him who knows the good that doesn't do it to him it is sin. I'm like, ugh. Oh, Walk past that trash. Don't help somebody on the side of the road. You got to be careful these days with that. To him who knows the good he ought to do it and doesn't do it to him it is sin. Well, I don't see it in the Bible. Listen, if you're convicted and you should do it, then if you don't do it, then it's sin. I got in trouble a little bit. It wasn't very nice of me, but I, I, I slipped. I just come out of the prayer closet this afternoon and finished preparing this. And Karen says, I just feel so gross. I'm eating bread. 
And she jokingly said, well, I'm getting ready for Italy. I'm like, amen, praise God, eat bread in Italy. You go to Italy, you ought to eat bread, I'm just saying. And she just says, oh, I just, I just feel like I'm sinning. And I said, well, to him who knows the good he ought to do it, doesn't do it, to him it is sin. And I thought, oops. No, she's convicted about that. It's, it's not the best for her health when she does it. So, well, what he's the bread of life. You can eat bread. You can eat bread if the Lord allows you to eat bread. But if he tells you to eat a specific way and you disobey, then it's sin. I, I'm not getting many amens right now. So Dr. Morocco tells this story. He does this walk through this forest and he's walking and he's praying and his people that go up there and pray and uh, go up there and walk and hike and there's this spring, it's near his house and he's walking and praying and there it is, a giant pile. Some dog did a curl bag. There it is, right in the middle of the trail. And there's all kinds of signs. Pick up your poop. You know what I'm talking about? And he's like, oh, I can't believe people just allowing their turds to be right on the thing. And he walked by and the Lord said to him who knows the good, it doesn't do it. To him it is sin. He's like, I didn't even have a dog, God. <laughs> he turns around and it was like, you know, Great Dane size, you know. And, and there's Dr. Morocco with two sticks trying to pick up this giant pile. And he's like, and he's picking up the pile. And does, has anybody ever pick up a pile of, uh, right? And, and two sticks doesn't sometimes do it. You know, it kind of depends on the consistency, but I mean, sometimes it starts falling apart. Starts falling apart, you know, so he's trying to like get it off into the woods. And a, a man comes by and says, what are you doing? And Dr. Morocco stands up with the two poop sticks and says, someone allowed their dog to do that and I am moving it. Because I felt that it was the right thing to do. And so he moved it off and the guy waited and they talked and he invited the man to church on Easter Sunday. And the man came to King's Cathedral and Chapels in Maui on an Easter Sunday and heard the gospel preached. Listen, if you'll just do the right thing, even if it's with two sticks trying to move a pile. There's no telling what God can do through that. Let's not misjudge. Let's walk humbly before the Lord. I had a situation recently and I told you in the first part of the service I was misjudged by someone. And uh, their misjudgment hurt. I allowed it to hurt. It was like a fiery dart. And uh, so in talking with my wife, I, we processed and I called Dr. Morocco, had him pray for me. You know, some things I can shake off and other times it's just a just, it just gets under there. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's one of those ones that just like, man, that stung a little bit. I can't quite shake it. I prayed. I love what Dr. Morocco said to me. 
He said, I'm going to pray for you. And he prayed this powerful prayer. And truth be told, before that, I, I, I was released of it before that, but he prayed this powerful prayer and he said this to me. He said, Daniel, in the Old Testament, a father can break off the curse off a son, can break a prophetic word, can break off a word that's not from God, it can break it off. And I've just done that for you. And I, I laughed and I thought, oh, that's beautiful. I'm a son. I just sat there and I just got so blessed. Then I studied this text this afternoon and I realized I might have misheard what was being said to me recently. Maybe the misjudgment went through a filter that I had. Maybe I misunderstood. And then I started realizing maybe they'd been through a lot and they were projecting stuff on me or fearful that I was going to go through perhaps what they've went through. And the Lord began to give me a fresh perspective. And I thought, oh, God. I made it this big deal and I realized actually that I think the Lord was showing me a deep wound that they had because of what they had been through and they didn't want me to go through the same thing. And I thought, oh, I didn't even see it. And I began to weep in my freezing cold camper. They say those things are like three seasons. They're two seasons in Alaska, I'm just telling you. No matter what kind of heater you have in that thing. Just never, never goes below the waist. It just bombs, freezing cold. Sat there weeping, going, oh, God, forgive me. And my pride. It's pride. Let's walk humbly before the Lord. Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to King's Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com. And may God's face shine upon you and give you peace.